0: It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live.
1: Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it, because you are On
0: Giants.com. You know what
1: I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants
0: mobile app.
2: 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions.
3: Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go going there like a bunch of crazy dogs, That's Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. He is Jeff Fiegels I'm Lance Meadow. Thanks so much for tuning in as we are with you for the next 60 minutes in multiple ways. You need to interact with us here on the program. 201-939-4513. You can also check us out on Twitter. Hashtag Giants Chat. A reminder, you can find the archive of the show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app. Podcast platforms everywhere and at Giants.com slash podcast. So a number of the Giants' new free agent signings spoke to the media over the last few days. We'll certainly get into that and how this changes the makeup of the roster entering 2022, and we'll certainly get your feedback via the phones, as well as on social media. Jeff, looking forward to the next 60 minutes. It's good yep. to hear your voice. I know I've been out of the mix for the last few days. i have been on the court. Been, yes, I've been on I've the, been the basketball court, yeah. the
4: hardwood. The literal hardwood, I should say, Jeff, because I That's feel right. like I've been pounded into the hardwood. <laughs> you feel the like the basketball, days. don't you? You feel like the yes. basketball been pounded
1: into the floor. But welcome back. Good to hear well, your voice, you. too. Yes. A lot happening, as you imagined. Um You know, so I was on yesterday, so we talked a little bit about the free agent signings. But after I left and then later, early in the evening, we saw that Logan Ryan had been released and and all of a sudden immediately picked up by one of, uh, I'm sure that Tom Brady said, hey, if I'm coming back, maybe go try and get this guy. And uh, Logan Ryan reportedly signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, so he gets he gets out of here on a rebuild and he goes to a team that's going to contend and go for his third Super Bowl. Nice job. <laughs> that was
3: a heck of a quick turnaround. But I'm glad you brought that up, Jeff, because that's pretty much where we should start, because you're mm-hmm. right. That was the newest piece of news since you guys went off the air. On Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. And, you know, based on the projected amount of money that the Giants are set to save as a result of that move, I think the reaction was, well, it's not really making that much of an inroad, right, financially for the Giants. But I think, and we haven't heard anybody speak from the team publicly. This is just my personal opinion. I think, like anything else, when you bring in new coordinators, Jeff they evaluate the current roster, and they tell you, right, okay, I think we can use this guy in this spot. I think I could use that guy in this spot. And you give the feedback to the general manager in the front office, and then the general manager in the front office makes roster decisions and moves and tweaks based on the feedback they get from the coordinators. So I don't think this was just necessarily motivated by money or the fact that Logan Ryan was not a good person because clearly he was. He was a team leader. I think it had to maybe do with how they viewed Logan Ryan within Dale's scheme in comparison to their options atop the draft, their options maybe later on in the draft, and the
4: other personnel that they could be targeting through free agency. I think there were a variety of things. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I think a lot of it, uh, there's other things that go into it that you and I will never know.
1: Um, but, you know, sometimes players uh, kind of get the right, you know, they kind of get, they see the writing on the wall a little bit, Lance, and I, I feel like they, you know Logan Ryan's a veteran; he's been around a while. You know, uh, you know, maybe the team came to him and said, "Hey, listen, you know, well, because when you look at the financials of it, it doesn't really make that much sense sure. for what they did." So maybe there's a little bit more to the story here. In fact, that maybe it's just kind of like a goodwill gesture. That hey guys, you know, the, we're gonna we got some good players. I mean, we got you know Love, and you got McKinney back there. Um, you know, we're gonna be rebuilding this team. Is it something you you know you want to leave and? I want to leave. Can you get let me go or something? Who knows? But the fact is, is that he landed on his feet quickly because he's a good football player. And the, the Bucks they get leadership in that backfield now. Um, and I think that's just it's good for him. But the whole grand scheme of things, I think you are 100% correct. I think that it's just you look at the scheme, you look at the coach, and like I said all along, new eyes, right, new guys. And that's what happens with uh, this team going forward. There's going to be a lot of changes. We've already seen it. And one thing about the change, Lance, and I haven't talked to you about this in a while, but, you know, when you look at these restructuring of these contracts, um, you know, every organization, when it comes down to the general manager, they do things like that they're comfortable with, right? So how they structure contracts, how they kick the can down the road, how they uh, do incentives, most likely to earn things and roster bonuses and things like that. It looks to me like, I have not read a lot in the last few years about some of the way that these things have been structured. So to me, it makes me believe that Joe Shane and his and the way that he does things is way different than what uh, Dave Gettleman and, and the staff did before and how they do contracts. Because I feel like if they, they're giving the players chances to earn money. And they're certainly saying, "Hey guys, we think you're worth it." But right now, like for instance, Blake Martinez, and you look at um, Sterling Shepard; these are two guys that are leaders on your football team. You want to have them around. Are you able to keep them? And and it's tricky how they can. And they went about and they did it, which is impressive to me. And I think that you know that's a little to me is important when you're building the future of a football team, and also being able to to find the money that they did and go out and buy and be able to get some of the free agents that they brought in here too. And and Lance, I don't know. I haven't talked to you about the free agents, but you know, to me, uh, none of these guys are going to light the world on fire. Um, but these guys are, they're more kind of, you know, pieces of the puzzle, if you will, the guys that can come in they're immediate starters, especially when Feliciano and, um, you know, at the center position, something where he's never played before. Yeah. Uh, but Glowinski is a guy that's played right guard for a long time, and it was came from that Indianapolis um, offensive line. So I think that you know they're not they're not outstanding, unbelievable signings, but they're solid. I don't know if you got to give them a grade. Let's give them Bs, you know, on that or something. But uh, you could just see how this Joe Shane organization is working in a different way um, than the prior one that was here.
3: Well, also you look at the connections, Feliciano. Right, where would he come from, Jeff? Mm-hmm. He came from Buffalo, so yeah. he knows Brian Dable. He's worked in the scheme, and then he also knows the new offensive line coach. Yeah. So you always right, we connect dots. I always say the NFL, and you know this better than anybody. Sure, from the time you play in the league, it's based on relationships. Oh my God, it's totally right? yeah.
1: And even and, and both of them said that in their opening press conference, if you remember, both of them talked about um, relationships. We're in a relationship business here, um, and. And when you build those relationships as a player, as a coach, those are important um, because you are identified, the character that you bring about. And when those coaches leave or those players leave, if you're going to be in this league long enough, you're going to cross paths with these people somehow in some way. And if you have done good by the eyes of that person, they'll bring you back. Um, another one is Robert Foster, a guy that, you know, not much production out of Robert Foster, the wide receiver, but he was up in, in uh, Brian Dable's um, system too. So relationships,
4: absolutely. He hit the nail on the head there. And you could also look at Davis Webb, right? There's another guy. Well, yeah. Davis For both Sil- sides. <laughs> Correct. Exactly. For both sides. But yeah. he
3: also was briefly in Buffalo. David Sills, even, who spent the majority of his time with the Giants. But remember, he started in Buffalo. Wow. So he crossed paths. And then Austin Prohl, another guy who they just brought in. So all of the moves that they made, at least in the early stages, the majority of them have some previous ties to the Bills, which is no surprise. But getting back to your point about the offensive line, The Giants couldn't go in to this season thinking that they were going to revamp the line specifically through the draft only. You knew there had to be some combination. And as far as the Feliciano move about trying to move him to center, remember, Nick Gates is coming off a significant injury. Jeff, we talked about this even during the regular season. I don't think, and I go back to when Nick Gates spoke to the media, if you remember, at the tail end of the year, right before the players went their separate ways, he was not even willing to give a firm date of when he thought, right, that he'd get back on the field. So you figured the Giants would have to protect themselves to bring in somebody who has some veteran experience that could come in and perhaps toy and experiment with that spot. Now, does that mean just because they brought in Feliciano and Mark Lewinsky that they're not going to go after offensive linemen in the draft? My answer is no. I don't think it should change any gameplay because, first of all, you didn't bring in a tackle, okay? So that doesn't change the conversation there. Nope. And if they think that there's a young interior offensive lineman that has some versatility and appeals to them in the draft, I'm still taking them because, Jeff, the thing yeah. about free agency and also with these two deals in particular, they're not necessarily long-term answers, no. meaning these guys, there's no guarantee that Feliciano and is are going to be here for the next three to four years. So if you have an opportunity to bring in a young offensive lineman that could grow with your scheme – I would not hesitate doing that. So if anybody were to ask me, what do these moves mean to their draft plans on the offensive line? I don't think it changes it at all. If Mm -mm. I'm the Giants, I'm still targeting and analyzing young offensive linemen
4: because there's still ample room and need to go in that direction with respect to the guys up front. And you know, this is a long-term
1: plan here. And when I'm long-term in the NFL, it might be three years, right? So, but, yeah, you got to build. And t- so you build through the draft through and through free agency, and that's how you build depth. So, you know, John Feliciano, what happens if all of a sudden Nick Gates is, is like he comes back completely 100% healthy and competes and wins the job at center? Well, you got John Feliciano who played guard. So yeah. you could you could slip him into either he does either starts at guard or he's a a swing guy where he can get in there at center he can get in there at guard but you've built depth through free agency now with the draft okay so the Giants this doesn't change I'm I'm with you I don't think it changes anything with the draft in fact it probably it it it's like this nothing's ever happened here the fact is you still need a right tackle okay um I think if one thing is you'll probably end up not drafting a right guard per se because I think that the, you know the guy that you brought in here. Glowinski uh, is, is your starter. He's going to be your guy. Um, but I feel like you know, through the draft, they're still going to target some offensive linemen. You look at the guys that are still here and left over from the previous staff that are here, uh, the team, I mean, some of those guys will still be here and add some depth from top in some competition. But um, you've got to continue to build through the draft, which means you bring in young players. And also, as you get out of cap hell, you move forward into some contracts that are affordable, which then leads you down the road to where you can go out and find some free agents, really good ones, you know, really high-end ones that you have enough money to pay for. Make a splash or two is what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, but yeah. a big splash, meaning that, you know, you're going to assign some of these guys to some big money. Um, you know, what what happened here with these with the ones that were signed, this isn't really particularly big money in today's world. It's just they're, I'd say they're mid-level. Uh, signings but they're they're needed ones for the Giants and they were able to get away with it by you know manipulating the cap and and throwing getting some guys to take pay cuts and that's just what happened and I was and so we got to see what happens with Bradbury um, and just from reading everything about it is that the Giants don't have to do anything at this juncture they can sit back and wait because the way that his his contract is structured um, that they don't really need to do anything until they have to come back. Remember this, they got to get they got to get their money for the draft class, and it's roughly what twelve to fifteen million somewhere in there. I, I'm not specific in that ballpark. Yeah, yeah. So they're gonna have to find it, and if you read every day uh, about the cap, it changes. It's fluid. And, yep. you know, every day it's different. So the Giants were, according to, to some of the reports I read yesterday, they were 2 million under. They're only 778,000 this morning from what I read. That's not official by any means. I'm just saying that that's what I read this morning. And so as I can say, you know, these things just change. And, um, but they're going to have to, sooner or later,
4: the draft is going to be here. <laughs> it's in April. Um, we're right around the corner. Well, and here's why things change, because you sign players, right, and then you lose players, and all of a yeah. sudden, the
3: cap there you fluctuates. Go. It's no different than, not to get off topic, the Packers traded Devontae Adams to the Raiders, according to reports yesterday. So the Packers, remember everybody was talking about, oh my God, they're $40 million over the cap, what's going to happen? Now, all of a sudden, they get rid of Devontae Adams, who was taking up right about $20 because he had the franchise tag, or at least that what they were anticipating if he would have signed a new deal, well, and now they've got a yeah. lot of leeway, right, and yeah. flexibility,
1: because Adams is no longer on the
4: Books. Well, they, he said that I want playing on the franchise tag, so you better either trade me or you're going to yep. sign
1: me a new contract. So,
4: But that's Not, your example, Jeff. That's yep. why I was bringing it up because yep. one day, right, your cap looks
3: like it's a mess, and yep. then the next day all of a sudden you make a transaction <laughs> yeah. and you have flexibility. So that's why I don't get too caught up in what things are talked right. about a week before the start of the new league here when a week later it drastically changes. I think that to me is the perfect example. But getting back to what we were talking about with respect to the offensive line – Here's another reason why it makes sense to have a nice mix of young guys and veterans. Case in point, look at this past season, Jeff. We went into the season saying to ourselves, you got Nick Gates, you got Shane Lemieux, you got Andrew Thomas, you got Matt Paert, you got Will Hernandez looking to try to bounce back. And then by the time we got to the end of the season, okay, we had Matt tear his ACL in week 16. Mm Mm-hmm. We had Shane Lemieux not even be available for the start of the season because of a knee injury. Nick Gates got hurt very early in the year. So my point is, all of the guys that we talked about at nauseam, all offseason, thinking this is going to be the group that they're going to put out there, by the time we got to seven <laughs> to eight weeks into the season – You had no Gates. You had no Lemieux. Andrew Thomas, remember, was in and out of the lineup this season because of multiple injuries. So you weren't even able to rely on him. Okay, Pear didn't get hurt till the end of the year. I'll give you that. And Solder was a veteran, but we knew he was on the final year of the deal. The bottom line is the vision of the offensive line never came to fruition. So if you're the Giants, and I know there's a different regime, Jeff, Mm -hmm. but my biggest takeaway is 2021 proved – never take any position group for granted. Never think that the five guys on paper who you may be fond of are going to be even able to last midway through the season. So if the Giants look at 2021, I think to me the best lesson is you bring in some guys via free agency, you still aggressively pursue them during the draft so that you've got a good group of eight to nine guys who are interchangeable, which is what you were alluding to, Jeff, like a Feliciano. He could play multiple positions so that, God forbid, you go into the season and all of a sudden one or two guys now are lost. You don't feel as if you've got to now make three or four trades, which, remember, the Giants had to, and that's why it became a game of musical chairs all throughout the course of the season, specifically on the interior of that offensive line.
1: And
4: you're hoping that some of these none of these guys retire. <laughs> well, sure. But remember, yeah. the guys that retired in all seriousness, Jeff, and I know you were joking because the only reason why I'm emphasizing yeah. that is a lot of callers brought this
3: up. Right. They were never necessarily being anticipated to be the starters. You yeah. know, they were sort of brought it was in as, it was as somewhat correct insurance right. policy. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's also important. And Joe Looney, as I've jokingly said multiple times, he was barely here long enough to go into the refrigerator, okay, <laughs> at the training facility and pull out a salad or a yogurt, Okay, because by the time the door slammed, he yeah, pretty he much was decided to retire. Yeah, yeah.
1: He he got. He said, "You know what? I'm tired of eating these training camp salads and yogurts. I'm out of here. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yes. I've done exactly. it enough. I'm not going to do this anymore." But that just had to do a lot with depth, and I think that it really sure. it really hurt the Giants in a sense because they were planning on going with all those guys that you had mentioned into camp and having them. And next thing you know, you get a guys to get hurt. You get guys that retire, you get another guy that gets hurt, and now you're
4: left with this, and now you're struggling, and that's exactly what you don't want to have happen going forward. One last thing I want to get to, and I'm sure you brought it up, but I just wanted, since this is my first
3: opportunity to reflect on the free agent group, is the Tyrod Taylor signing. Because, Jeff, if you remember, I think it was you, you Jeff, and I, right? We were yeah. all on the show together giving our projections, yeah. right? Of potential targets.
4: I and gave I had... you kudos yesterday, right? Oh, you way. did? Okay. Yes, oh, listen, I, I appreciate it. I wasn't yeah. necessarily
3: looking for a pat on the back, but I thank you. Yeah. I just, it reminded me of the conversation because you suggested let's all throw out two yeah. potential backup veteran quarterbacks. And, I don't remember who each of us threw out. I just remember I said Tyrod Taylor, and then I had A.J. McCarron right. as the second yeah. guy on the yeah. list. Because I, just, I said to myself, the Giants, and I think you and I, Jeff, were on more of the same page. Not that John didn't want to improve it. He just didn't want to take as much resource and yeah. put the money towards it. I was willing to put a little bit more money because you and I were talking about the football after Daniel Jones got hurt it wasn't even at the layer of respectability, mm-hmm. okay? And you don't mm-hmm. want to go back into that situation. Right. So I like the move for Taylor because I think that gives them a very nice security blanket. He is a polished quarterback. He's got tons of starting experience. He's been in a lot of different offenses. He's also been exposed to some quarterback battles with rookies. I, I think this is just the solid guy that's going to come in. He's not going to ruffle feathers, even if you listen to his interaction with the media. He's been around the block a few times, so I thought this was a very solid move, and overall, financially, I also think it's manageable for them, but this was exactly the type of guy I said the Giants needed to target, and they certainly prioritized that, and Joe Shane said that, Jeff, at his introductory Mm -hmm. presser. Mm -hmm. He made no hesitation about it. They have to improve the offensive line, and they have to improve the quarterback depth chart. And they
1: went out, and they certainly addressed that. Yeah, I, I'm with you, um, and I continue to to tell everybody, in my opinion, about the backup quarterback. And you hit all the hit everything that I thought about. I, I just the team can't put themselves in that type of situation again, especially from. And this is only because of the, there's history there with Daniel Jones and his injuries, right? Um, I also wanted somebody to come in here and to and I talked to Paul about this yesterday and I was I guess I need to be a little bit more um identify what I'm talking about when I say push Daniel Jones Daniel Jones is the starter Daniel Jones the Giants want him to be the starter absolutely and so but from my perspective just from being in the sport as long as I was I know for a fact that if you bring somebody in here who isn't really worth a darn you're gonna it's not i'm saying that daniel jones or anybody for this matter gets lax well i think about it. some guys get laxadaisical. they're like okay this guy's not going to beat me out i know that that's my job but when you have the presence of a Ty, you know Tyron taylor in your meeting room out on the football field an experienced guy who has started in this league who, who's smart who can run an offense that's going to make daniel jones work harder which in turn is going to make him play better, which in turn we get a really good evaluation of Daniel Jones in this season because that's what they want. And this is all about breaking down and getting better, the, the whole team, but it's also about what are we going to do at the quarterback position in 2023. we got to find out if this guy can play. So this is why I like the signing is because if we find out that he can't play, Tyrod Taylor could be your quarterback for the next two years. Um, and if you draft the quarterback next year, you sit him for a year yep. and you got a veteran there. So I think it's a brilliant move. It costs a little bit more money than we all thought it would, okay? But the fact is they got him here and I think it's nothing but good things can come out of this. Because it's competition, it's a valuable backup position if a guy if Daniel Jones gets hurt, that you know you're not going to be put in a position where you can't win games like last year. And it's a win-win for everybody. And I don't know exactly how his contract is set up, but and I'm not going to comment on it, but I know that it's, it's, it works, if you know what I mean. It works for the team. It works for him, and I think
4: there's some future involved in there that it will work, too, if something happens. Well, I go back to, once again, Daniel Jones... Putting the the pushing aside, and I don't disagree
3: with you, Jeff. I don't think, and I don't think you were saying this, there's no questions in terms of Daniel Jones' work ethic, no matter who was going to be in the quarterback. I am not questioning that at all. No, and I'm not saying you were. I just want to clarify that in case people are listening and saying, well, why do they need somebody to push Daniel Jones? It's more of the fact that you you keep that good energy in the quarterback room. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Competition sometimes is healthy. It's healthy Mm to feel as if, right, there's dialogue in the room. Tyrod's helping Daniel Jones. DJ's helping Tyrod vice versa, but there's no questions about Daniel Jones's work ethic. You've never heard anyone in the organization or the coaching staff question no. about, you know, you need somebody here because, you know, he's not animated. He's not, you know, having somebody, you know, on the back of him, you know, give him right. that pressure to go out and deliver. I feel though it's just important because you can't go into the season thinking Daniel's going to get through an entire year that's been my premise right. Jeff all along yeah. Yeah. it's just I'm not going into this year saying this is going to be the year that Daniel plays all 17 games I just mm-hmm. I can't there's no track record in place to feel warm and fuzzy about that so that's more of a reason why sure. you feel good that Tyrod Taylor two things which you were hitting on a he's a great insurance policy but B and I'm not saying it's going to happen, but let's say Daniel
4: struggles for some reason, okay? Mm -hmm. He can't pick up Dable's offense. Things are not going according to plan. He reverts back to throwing picks and fumbling football. Okay, let's say that happens.
3: If I'm Brian Dable, I'm more than comfortable saying, hey, we're not making a change for the sake of making a change. We're making a change because Tyrod Taylor has run a variety of offenses and has starting experience. So I think you help yourself in
4: those two regards, Jeff. And that's another reason why I like the Tyrod Taylor side. So here's the other. Here's the other philosophy that I look at, and it's and it could be very. I mean, I might just be,
1: it might be smoke and mirrors here. But but here's the thing, from a from a coaching perspective, you know, all of these guys are very confident. Okay, um, and I feel like they have a sense if of. If they're reality. not, they don't belong in the league. I would 100%, say hundred <laughs> percent, right, Lance. So so yeah. here's the thing. What happens? You know, if all of a sudden Brian Dable and wink Martindale and they get together and they realize that hey you know what we do have some players on this team and they start winning football games okay and you're in an you're in a division where you know I mean the Cowboys are probably the tops in the division but you know what happens to them so let's just say that you know a, th- a quarter of the way through the season maybe halfway the Giants are still in it you know they've got four or five games and they're, they're 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 right at 500 right so what happens if all of a sudden you got a good team you got a decent team you're making kind of a little bit of a run here and your quarterback gets hurt and now the season is down the down the drain but with a with a quarterback like Tyrod Taylor you got a chance with yeah. a, with a quarterback like Mike Glennon and Jake Fromm you have no chance you have no chance whatsoever as we saw so that's kind of where i'm saying to myself i i want daniel jones to be the guy i hope he lasts 17 games but if he doesn't i i just don't want to be you know sitting there like what happened last time where i don't have a guy to compete and compete with meaning compete in a game to win um not too much compete with daniel jones although he's going to be doing that also but you got a you got a very reliable person that can come in there and you have confidence by saying to yourself i know this guy can win games he's done it before um, he's, been, he's been a borderline starter for his whole career. I mean, look where he goes. He just challenges everybody, right? I mean, it's really it's a, it's a good move by the Giants. It really
3: and is. And let's just hope that also he stays healthy because, unfortunately, the last three places he went to, he lost his starting job because of an injury, and that's yeah. why the rookie took over. So, you know, that's yeah. another element that just needs to be thrown out there because Tyron obviously has had to battle a number of issues over the course of his career. All right, Lance Meadow, Jeff Eagles, with you here. Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Giants fans, secure your season tickets for the 2022 season today for only $100. Limited seats are available. You can speak with a Giants ticket representative now. Become a season ticket member. Call 888-NYG-1925. Let's open up the phone lines, 201-939-4513. We check in with Alex in Syracuse, joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Alex? Jeff
0: and Lance, how you guys doing? Nice Good. to hear from your first-time uh, caller.
3: Great. Good to have appreciate you. Appreciate the phone call. So what do you got for us?
0: Yeah, huge huge fan. And so I've been following all the free agency stuff. Um, and actually, just to talk on kind of what you guys were just talking about, um, I actually think there's no doubt that those that Feliciano and Glowinski are not, you know, Pro Bowl guys that we just brought in. Um, but actually, I'm a little more excited uh, than I think maybe you guys were. Um, and I'll tell you why. Because uh, I'm, I live in Syracuse. Uh, I'm a Giants fan for life. But uh, i got a lot of Bills fans around me. So I follow the Bills pretty closely. Um, which is also why I was excited about Shane and, and Dabble. I, I, the culture over there, um, all those intangible things, right, when we talk about uh, relationships, right? the stuff you guys were just talking about, uh, you see that in, in that locker room and you see that on that team and how it plays out um, on the field. And so one thing that you got to like about a guy like Feliciano, he'll tell you that he not only does he think his best position is center, um, but he loves that position when you hear him talk about it, but that's where he's kind of wanted to be for a long time. I think you got to like, bringing in a guy like that and giving him that kind of opportunity, because you got to think that a guy who wants to play that kind of position, you give him that opportunity, you, you hope he steps up and plays sure. maybe even above what you might expect, right? given his lack of experience. Um, I also just think, even with a guy like Lewinsky, right, he can play both sides, he can play both guard positions. So it makes me start to think maybe the way that this scheme is developing is, okay, so they're rebuilding the line better than I think it's been in a long time. Um, but, yeah, you know, you maybe with the calf situation, you can't bring in everybody you want. So, you bring in a guy like Tyrod Taylor, who I think is personally one of the more underrated uh, quarterbacks in this whole league and has been for his whole career. I remember watching him in Buffalo and just thinking he didn't have the stuff around him to really produce and, and sort of sense then as well. So I actually think it's a better move than maybe a lot of people think sort of on paper. Um, and it suggests to me that they're starting to think of a scheme where with a mobile guy like Daniel Jones and with Tyrod now, you're building a scheme where you're going to have maybe some more rollouts and so you don't have to rely... I to your pass protection in the same kind of way that you do if you have a less um, mobile operation. Um, so I, I actually think that it's all with got a guy at Costco who's worked with Mahomes. I just think that we're going to have a really interesting scheme in the pass game this year um, in a way that I, in my lifetime as a Giants fan, I, I don't think I, I we've seen a, a, a thing like that that – what I think might be coming. Um, so my, my question is, given all of that, given all of the offensive moves that we've made in free – and given that we just released Logan Ryan, um, and I still think Bradbury probably at some point may be uh, going somewhere in order to open up room for the cap. Do you think? Here's my hypothetical question for you in the draft. Let's assume first four guys off the board are uh, Thibodeau, Neal, Equano, uh, and Hutchinson in no particular order, right? So here we are sitting at five and seven. Do you think it's plausible and perhaps even smart to go with something like Kyle Hamilton at five? and a soft Gardner at seven, uh, which I think is maybe not what a lot of people are expecting to go two kind of defensive backs. Um, but given all the free agency stuff in offense, do you think that maybe they focus a little heavily in the first round um, on defense for for, uh, for the, uh, Martindale? Um, and if so, do you still think then that you can get your two tackles or two offensive linemen, say, in that second round and third round? Um, and if so, then, would that other fifth pick in that top hundred what would you do? So let's let's just hypothetically say you get those two defensive backs, you get your two linemen. I'm curious, what do you think that other top hundred uh, pick uh, might be? Hmm.
3: Well, we'll let you go on that note, first of all, and appreciate yep. the phone call. A, a lot to certainly digest. The one thing I will say, Jeff, we'll piggyback off of the draft question first. Okay. I think it goes back to what you and I were talking about earlier. I'm not getting so caught up in the free agent moves dictating what I'm doing with the picks. Yep. So I wouldn't just assume, well, they address this position in free no. agency, so therefore they wouldn't address it with respect to the draft. I think Kyle Hamilton certainly could be in play with Logan Ryan no longer in the picture. Remember, Jabril Peppers is a free agent. So, you know, do you want that other safety to complement – McKinney. Julian Love is a guy that could play multiple positions. How exactly does Martindale want to utilize him? I don't think that's a stretch, Mm -hmm. but I also don't know if necessarily they say to themselves that they'd want to grab two tackles to the caller's point, because Mm -hmm. you still have Andrew Thomas, Mm -hmm. so you don't need to necessarily draft two tackles, right? You need a right tackle, okay? I think that's clear, and Matt Paird coming off the torn ACL, you don't know when he's going to be available, but do you need two tackles? You're not looking for a left tackle. You have Andrew Thomas, Mm -hmm. so I, I don't know necessarily if the Giants need to go after two offensive linemen. If we use the projection of the last caller with their picks outside of the first round,
1: yeah, I, I think that. Well, remember Hamilton? A lot of people think he's the best, the best athlete, and just the best player in the draft. Um, when it comes to all around, you know, athleticism, and, and he's a big guy. Um, he, could he possibly one day be a linebacker? Probably. Um, but, you know, I look at Julian Love as a guy that, like you said, can play multiple positions, plays that slot. Has to, if he has to play corner, he can do that. But, you know, so that's certainly an option. Um, I would not rule out the fifth pick as a defensive player at all if, if, if the hypothetical played out the way it did. Um, remember, Charles Cross is another tackle yeah. that's going to be there if, if those other guys are gone. Um, and if you feel the need and you feel like you have them ranked – then certainly you can go there. Uh, Sauce Gardner, remember, this is another situation where the Bradbury uh, situation will kind of give you an idea. But, you know, if if this Bradbury thing doesn't go away by the time that the draft comes around, um, who knows? But I will tell you that it's not out of the – I don't think it's out of, you're out of your mind if you draft two defensive players. And I know you still need to get that tackle, but I still think you can get your tackle – um, you know, not, you're not going to get one like a Quanu or Neil, but you're going to get a pretty good one. Um, so yeah, I mean, and here's the other thing I talked about it yesterday, Lance, if you're pretty sure that you can go and get one of those tackles or a player, then you may at that seventh position, you could trade down a little bit to get some capital to get you a couple more picks. If you know that the player is still going to be there when you go down, you know? So, um, but a lot of people have the giants taking, uh, two defensive players, um, and they also, a lot of guys have them splitting it, one offense, one defense, depending on you know who it is. What It might be a defensive player at five and an offensive player at seven.
3: So. Well, and the other reason why I think everything is in play as we're going over the different hypotheticals, Jeff, and this circles back to how we started the show. We were talking about the Giants choosing to release Logan Ryan. Anybody mm-hmm. on the roster right now, unless you know how they're viewed – by both respective offensive coordinators, you can't make any assumptions because you could say, let's say they keep Bradbury and you say, okay, you got a Dory Jackson. You have Aaron Robinson, who you drafted last year, Darnay Holmes, Julian Love, who we talked about has versatility. Just because they were utilized by Patrick Graham one way, Martindale may not look at them the same way. Martindale may not be enamored with some of these guys. So that's another reason why I'm not ruling out any position because what may look on paper to be, having depth in the eyes of the coordinator, it may not be viewed right as depth because he may say, I want to blitz, but I don't think this corner is capable of blitzing. I want to play man to man. I don't think this corner is capable of playing man to man. So I think right now, Two defensive players, not a stretch. And if you were to say that the Giants would go after two offensive players, I don't think that's a stretch either. Because whenever a new coaching staff comes in, Jeff, mm-hmm. their viewpoints, you have to expect that it's possible. They do not view the personnel on the roster, and I'd be stunned if they do the same
4: way that the previous regime did because right now it's completely different schemes. Uh, listen, and we don't know what anybody's thinking, but I, I just it, it can't – I mean,
1: I, I think the Giants – they hinted a little bit about their draft strategy in a sense that, you know, they kind of look at, at a lot of teams build their draft board on best available. Right. It makes it easy. That's we, you, you know, you check one off, you check one off. What's our best of player? Oh, there he is. OK, it's our pick next. That's our guy. But I feel like and I know that it, this is probably hinting a little bit towards the word need, but I don't like to use the word need. I think I like to use a word um, that they like this player because of the intangibles that he may bring. Uh, his character um, his his um, acumen for the game things like that that are going to be just as important as you know being ranked as the best player available it's the best player available for our system and for what we're gonna do which has a little bit of a need component to it right so that I feel like can have a have a, a distinct you know what's the word I'm looking for Um when you're making those decisions at five and seven, it's not as easy as we and I made it out to be as just the best player available. You gotta try to find a guy that's gonna fit your system and that is a really is one of the better available players. So that's why you may get two defensive players at the top because they're gonna fit into where you want with your scheme and your the way that you're gonna build your football team. Well, and also that could increase the value of the player
3: on your draft board because right, if you're right. a better fit, right, for the yes. scheme of the coordinator, you have
4: higher value to the Giants, let's say, versus then, maybe the Denver Broncos. Right, right. And I think so, that I think a lot of times that's when you get the head scratchers. That's when people,
1: when the Giants pick a player they, and there's other people scratching their head like, what in the, how did they go, why did they draft this guy? They, they could have got this guy. Well, you know what? Not everybody's the same. And not yep. everybody has the same uh, grading systems and evaluation process. as, as it's, not, it's not that rudimentary. Everybody has their own systems, and, and they evaluate people differently. And that's why you know, there's so many people that, that this is not an exact science, and that's why it's very difficult. And when you look at the history of first-round draft picks, go back and just do yourself a favor. Go look at the history of 1st down draft picks in the last 10 years. You're going to be overwhelmed at how many guys are not around. <laughs> they never made it, and it's because
4: of just you know one they just they miss out on their calculations and their evaluations. It's just it's just not a perfect science. Well, and we've also seen a lot of times sometimes a first round pick is taken by
3: one team doesn't flourish and then Jeffy gets moved and then all of a sudden he does start right to show his value system and that goes back to the fit correct the yeah. system. So that's why I wholeheartedly agree with you and I think you bring up an excellent point that fit sometimes is so crucial to a player's development than just taking a player and saying he's got a lot of upside and just throwing him out anywhere. Because how you utilize that player could very well influence what's going to happen in terms of his entire career. It's just like I always say when a quarterback goes to one team, Jeff, and then they say, well, this guy was a bust. Okay, well, clearly the guy's got talent. Okay, You don't get considered for the National Football League unless you have something. It's just maybe he didn't end up in the right place to tap in to that talent, and then unfortunately it gets to a point where you're only given so many 2nd and 3rd chances that then, obviously, you run out of opportunities. But fit is crucial, critical to the development of a player. I think we've seen that with the Giants. We've seen that across the league. One other thing I want to get to before we head back to the phone lines, and the last caller was scratching the surface of this, and I just wanted to emphasize it. I've said this on this show. I've said this on my Syria shows. The Giants last year, I would argue, Jeff, did not have a backup quarterback that could come in. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that he was Daniel Jones, but was mobile enough to do the things that they ran with Daniel. Mm -hmm. Tyrod, I think, does enable them to do some of those things. And that's important. Whenever you're looking for a backup quarterback in this league, it's important to have somebody that can come in with a similar body skill set, however you want to word it. And if you remember, Jeff, I believe you and I had these conversations during the course of the regular season. I brought up the Baltimore Ravens as a great example of this because if you remember, when Lamar Jackson got hurt this past season and he missed a
4: few oh, games, yeah. Huntley. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Huntley,
3: right? Why yeah. were they able to run their offense? Because Huntley was that mobile running guy that you didn't have to now, if you were Greg Roman, their offensive coordinator, you didn't have to all of a sudden say, we're going from Lamar Jackson to Joe Flacco. And now we got to completely change the offense. He was still able to run similar things. When you go from Daniel Jones to Mike Glennon, and it's no disrespect to Mike Glennon, Mike Glennon doesn't have the mobility, the athleticism of Daniel Jones. So Tyrod Taylor also, I think, puts the Giants in a situation where if, God forbid, Daniel doesn't stay healthy, Dable and Kafka don't have to say to themselves, oh boy, I mean, we got to go to the opposite end of the spectrum. So that's another <laughs> reason why. It's not just the Giants. I advise, I think... Every team should do this. Bring in a backup quarterback that, yes, A, has experience. Yes, has upside. You believe he's got confidence that he can run your offense. But also,
4: you can continue to run what you're doing with the starter. I don't think enough teams prioritize that. No, not at all. And, um, you know, I just I just think
1: that, you know, the, with, this, with the new regime that's coming in here, I think that we got to kind of look and I don't know if you agree with me with this, Lance, but look at a little bit of the history of the of the Buffalo Bills and how they did things, right? I mean, how can you not do that? Because I feel like Joe Shane, he 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 had been, you know, he's been tutored the whole time with with Brandon Bean up there. So yeah. I got to believe that you're going to see a very similarity in the style
4: and the way that they they proceed through this draft about doing things. Don't you agree? One hundred percent. And here's another example. In terms of learning from what you did in Buffalo, who
3: did the Bills, Jeff, bring in to back up Josh Allen last year? Mm -hmm. They brought in Mitchell Trubisky. Mm -hmm. Trubisky's not Josh Allen. That's not my point. But Trubisky's got that mobility factor, right, that you can run what you ran with Josh Allen. So I think Dable being the offensive coordinator, when he comes over with Joe Shane, they look to duplicate what they implemented in Buffalo. That's my point.
1: And and I made this mistake yesterday. I thought thought that Tyrod Taylor was there when Dable was there, but he was actually
4: 2017 was his last year there. Correct, and Dable Dable didn't take over until 18. But he was there with Joe Shane briefly. Right, right,
1: exactly. So I I feel like, um, but, you know, in a nutshell, you know that he is that type of quarterback um, that can, you know, get out of the pocket and make things happen. Um, He is a runner. He's a passer on the run. Um, he has he has great acumen for the game. He's smart. He's composed. And I think he's going to be a really good locker room guy. Um, and, you know, Daniel Jones is not a – Daniel Jones is a guy that's very kind of – he's a lot like Eli. You know, it doesn't say much. Most of his leadership comes on the field, you know. So um, – and, and not that it's saying that this locker room needs a rah-rah guy. And I don't even know if Tyrod Taylor's a rah-rah guy. But, you know, people in the round, when you're in the locker room, there's nothing – you know, you, there's no substitute for experience. So these guys, these young guys, when they're building this roster, are going to look up to the veterans. And the Giants, as they continue to get rid of these veterans, um, they got to have some guys that they can replenish them with that can build the locker room, too, which is what you need it and I think Tyrod taylors he fits, he checks all the boxes. He checks all the boxes, and I feel like the way that they structured his contract, they even checked that box, that they're going to be able to be afforded the luxury
4: to to have him around for a couple of years if they need him. Let's head back to the lines. Lamont is in New York. He joins us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Lamont?
2: Hey, how you doing? Good. Good. Doing right, guys. What's happening? Sure. Yeah, well, um, I just wanted to, uh, I came on to talk about Tyrod Taylor, but Lance, you had everything spot on that I wanted to talk about. So, All right. Well, it was good talking to uh, you. See you later. You, uh, <laughs> we'll speak to you tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> What's up? Uh, well, last time I, I was talking to you guys, I was hoping that through the draft that we would take those two picks and get our offensive linemen. But with this new coaching staff, uh, I think they really did a good job by picking up these veterans. And that's going to leave some room for us to definitely jump on best play available. Which I think that should be two pass rushes, you know, because I mean, I've, I've been looking at the whole film all these top pass rushes, and either one of them will be perfect scheme for, uh, for this defense that's coming out this year. And this is something that Giants football has been missing for a long time, uh, a threat from that pass rush, because uh, I've seen a lot of quarterbacks that a lot of time on this uh, defense throw the ball upfield. And with these pass rushes, it's going to take away
1: that. Yeah, well, hey, I mean, you got a, you got a bunch of them. Um, I mean, there, there's a handful of guys that, and and really, I mean, if there's a guy sitting there at number five, um, and the two tackles are gone, I, I have no problems whatsoever uh, taking a, a you know a guy to rush the passer. Because I, I only think it can help the defense. It's just you know the Giants only had thirty something sacks last year, right? So I mean it's yeah not a lot. You need to, to improve that. And I I'm with you. I I got no problems, guys, with an offensive lineman or a defensive edge rusher uh, at the fifth pick whatsoever. And I, by the way, and you know I'd have no problem with even taking a cornerback if he's there. And Sauce Gardner at five. I mean, I, th- I feel like he's a guy that could really step in and help this team depending on, you know, what's going on with Bradbury. Well, they could use help in a variety of
3: spots. I think that's well documented. Lamont, the only thing I will say about your statement that with the moves they made on the offensive line, it puts them in a better place of flexibility to go after the best player available. Keep in mind, and this circles back to the conversation Jeff and I had earlier, Feliciano signed a one-year deal. Okay, so, you know, that indicates that's not a long-term answer. That's a guy that, once again, knows the system, good locker room guy. But Mm -hmm. after next season, there's no guarantee Feliciano is going to be your center. We don't know what state Nick Gates is going to be in. So I still think that opens the door for a need on the interior. I'm not to say that they're going to use a first-round pick on a guard or a center. And then Glowinski, okay, he's got a little bit of a lengthier deal than Feliciano, But once again, we talk about free agents, Jeff, right? They come in, they sign three or four-year deals, and then two years into the contract, we're talking about they're no longer here. Case in point, right, Logan Ryan, right, he had that one good year, they gave him an extension, and now Logan Ryan's not here anymore. So you can never operate, based on if the Giants give a guy a three-year deal and just assume, okay, he's going to be here for all three years. Just football doesn't work like that. Sure so doesn't. I disagree slightly, Lamont, with the fact that, well, they brought in two veteran offensive linemen, so you know I don't know if they necessarily need to address the offensive line or they don't need to address other positions they hit in free agency.
2: Yeah, I understand they still need to um, take care of that issue, but I feel that they could find something decent, like in the second and third rounds for those positions, because uh, seriously, there's a lot of great pass rushes in this draft. I've I've looked at the film of all of them, and I will be satisfied with either one of them that we take.
3: Well, and that's why they could split the top Picks. They could take a pass rusher. They could take mm-hmm. an offensive lineman, and then it's basically the best of both worlds. And certainly appreciate the phone call, Lamont. Thanks so much for joining us. It's just Jeff. My feeling is you got to be careful, and I'm not saying it's only on the last call or it's other people that have said, well, you know, there's depth on the offensive line. You can wait until the second or third round. You know, keep in mind the Giants have also done that previously. You know, we talk about the Shane Lemuse the Will Hernandez is. Oh, you know, these guys are solid. They'll come in, and then you know, unfortunately, they dealt with some injuries and. Hernandez, obviously, is a free agent, but you may say, hey, it's great. We'll get a guy in the third round, but is he going to have as significant of an impact, Jeff, that you're hoping that you could very well get out of a first-round pick? It's no different than a quarterback, right? Even though you could find Dak Prescott, you could find Russell Wilson Okay, in the mid-rounds, the percentage— is much higher, right, Jeff? For the guy mm-hmm. to pan out, yeah. the higher you take him. There's no guarantees in the NFL, but if you're really looking for an impactful offensive lineman, I would say taking him in the first round increases your chances that
4: he could be a staple for you. Than saying, all right, don't worry, in the third or the fourth round, we'll get this guy, and everything will be okay. But there's also a chance, like I said, go back and look at the first round. There's
1: guys that just don't pan out, and it's just it's, it's hard. It's sure. so hard. But but to your point from the evaluation from what everybody has taken and their notes and they compile everything and they have these mock drafts and they rank them uh, you know the pro football focus ranks the guys from one to however many a hundred you know pretty consistent when it goes to you know where your top 25 guys are going to be so yeah and if and if there's seven offensive linemen in that top 25 you got a good chance of grabbing one of those and note that guy having a good career barring injuries and things like that but but there is no telling that it that it's a sure fire. You never know. Look at Eric Flowers. Yeah. Eric, I mean, there's a prime example of a guy that was drafted in the first round. They tried to make him a tackle, just didn't work, and then goes to the Washington, plays in Miami, they move him to guard, plays pretty well, and now they just released him the other day. So um but there's there's you know, you never know. You just never know. So I, I feel at the time you feel confident and that's all you can do. You just say, Hey, listen, we got our guy here. Um, But, you know, to the caller's point is that this draft does have a lot of edge rushers in it. And, by the way, the whole combine was all about speed if if you watched it. I mean, it it was just – it was people were throwing up speed there. It was like unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it, Um, how fast these guys are. And at every position, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, even the interior guys. Um, So, you know, you look at a guy like Trayvon Walker. I mean, could the Giants – could they – could they pick him if he's there? Absolutely, you know. I mean, why not? Um, but it's just—it's—it's—we it, can talk about this as much as we can. It's going to be so much fun when it comes and it happens. When you say, "Here they go," they got two offensive linemen. Wow, we were wrong on that one, right? So it just depends. And again, I said this yesterday, and I don't know think it's going to happen, Lance. But what is the always the wild card that happens? In these drafts these days, is that it's the quarterback that moves up the, the charts and then gets in there and somebody wants them, but I don't know if that's going to happen this year. I just don't see that this, there's going to be a quarterback unless it's Malik Willis that the Seahawks have that ninth pick in the first round that they that they want to go up and get. Um, well, and they may not even have to go up. Uh, and that's Canada, what I'm right? They Perhaps may not have to go. They could just it? stay put where yeah. they are. And yeah. Because, yeah. Because you know, if they wanted a quarterback and they had the ninth pick and there was a couple guys that that really they had a possibility of going in front of them, then you're going to see the trade up to maybe to the giants at five and that they swap spots from five to nine or seven to nine, and you're going to get something for it. So I just don't know if that's going to happen, but if it does, then that's when one or one of those players that we just mentioned go into top four picks, they, they fall. And that's when the giants are sitting there with the, with their hands open waiting to catch this guy, whoever it is
4: at five that they didn't think they were going to get. That would be a great, that would be a great thing. Well, listen, considering the Giants are not necessarily looking for a quarterback, they don't care mm-hmm. about
3: the other teams fighting for quarterbacks because yep. they benefit from that. Mm-hmm. So your point is, well, take it. But remember, right now we have unsettled business with Deshaun Watson. Okay, when he gets moved, somebody's going to fill a void there, right, Jeff? And it looks Jimmy like this two teams, right? could get traded. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, right now, the way it looks, we're talking about teams need quarterbacks 30 days from now, Jeff some of these teams were thrown out, maybe they acquire a veteran and it becomes a non-issue. So that's another reason why the quarterback speculation fluctuates just like the salary cap, right? Tuesday, it looks very different than how (laughs) Thursday appears Mm -hmm. and vice versa. So, you know, it's hard to really gauge. But remember, you need a group of quarterbacks that justifies teams being aggressive. And I could see one, to your point, happening. I'd be very surprised if there was a high volume of movement where teams are desperately going after QBs come the top of the draft. Let's head back to the phone lines. Ron is in Florida joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Ron? Hey, guys.
5: How's it going today? Very good. good. All right. What do you got for us? Hey, it's been about a long time. It's been about five years, though, Jeff. Whoa. whoa. I don't know if you were in (laughs) (laughs) – I don't know if you guys were – uh together that day on the show but we just got done watching the uh Danny Dying show on pro day and that guy looked fantastic and he was my hero from that day and I'm going to tell Charlie I can't wait till he's the comeback player of the year and uh, leading the league in touchdowns <laughs> I know I'm dreaming, but hey, it is what it
1: is. <laughs> That's okay. I will tell you what, it certainly would solve the it certainly would solve the problem if they wanted to understand if they're going to give them a contract or not, right? That would be easy then.
5: Exactly, exactly. And you know that was that that year, Jeff. Uh, I asked you. I said, "There's a deep." Uh, I was from Syracuse at that time. Uh, There's a defense tackle up there by the name of Slayton. You think any chance that the Giants would trade him? And you says, "Well, I really don't know of him. And by George, in the seventh round, they picked him.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that shows you how much I know, I guess.
5: (laughs) Well, hey, me me too. But my question is, this is probably going to flip you both out on. uh, I know um, Joe Shane said at at the Combine, he's not against moving up or going back. Now, I'm an old school person, and I'm a bird in the hands better than two in the bush. What On this point system, what's the difference between five and three?
1: I don't know. Uh, Lance, do you, do you have any? I, well, I'd have to bring up the trade
3: chart. Yeah. I don't understand, though. You're talking about moving from five moving to three? To, is, to, is that what you're referring to, to?
5: Well, well, I I just got a gut feeling that the two tackles that are on there are short players, like your 10-year players, you know, they're going to be around. Mm-hmm and they're way above the other the other tackles i feel that's just again my point and um and i think that we should get the best we can at this time and you know we're not going for just position we're going for best best player available and uh you know like the, Iwano i think he would be the top of the line pick if we could get him because if he doesn't really make it at tackle you could move him down to uh, guard and he would <laughs> roll over anybody that stands in front of him. But anyways, uh, I didn't know what it would take. Well, it's about would, uh, a difference
3: no. of in value according to the draft board. And once again, not all teams operate based on this draft board. So you have to take that into consideration, Ron. But we're talking about a difference of about 500 points. I mean, clearly it huh. would probably entail a first-round pick of some sort. In my estimation, I know it's not a big jump, but, you know, if somebody's giving up their third round pick and moving down two spots, you're going to want something back. And my estimation also is I understand you may feel great about an offensive lineman. I believe that the impact and I'm curious where you stand, Jeff. If you were to get a five and a seven and add that to the roster, I think having two first rounders versus just a three would have far more impact for the Giants in the immediacy Mm -hmm. than just banking on your offensive lineman becoming a cornerstone. The Giants, you know, it's not as if, Ron, they're one player away. That one guy on the offensive line is going to come in, put the key in the ignition, then all of a sudden everything falls into place. They're multiple guys, and that's why, to me, there's a year. If you could get somebody at five
4: and seven, that's far more impactful than putting all your marbles in the middle of the table for the third overall pick. I think it would be different yeah, if did, the if I the did. Giants were looking for a quarterback and there was a,
1: a, a you know a slew of them in the draft where the Giants could say, listen, we see our guy and we got to go up and get yeah. him. Um, but for you know an offensive lineman or something like that, I just don't know if, if somebody would do that.
3: Yeah, and also yeah. to piggyback off of Jeff's point, Ryan, The drop off in the Giants' mind, if you're going up to number three to get an offensive lineman, then there has to be an unbelievable amount of separation between that guy who you're moving up to get at three versus who you could potentially get at five. I mean, I want to hear right. that they're miles and miles apart, and mm-hmm. that's why you have to give up draft, ca- draft capital for that. You know, the d- three and five, we're not talking about, you know, it's one thing to say you have the 15th overall pick, you want to move to three. Okay, I get that. But three versus right. five? I mean, why are you so itchy that you got to move up two spots? I just, I don't really, it's yeah. hard for me to rationalize that.
5: Yeah, I can, I can see where you're coming at. It's just that I I just watched so much tape on that uh, the two tackles that I think they're the ones that are going to be leading your, your team for quite a while, and they have bookends like either one of them and uh, Thomas, uh, they're going to be around for a while and you can throw in three other players and I think it's you're going to put a good team together. It just, you know, I I see where you're coming from too. And if we don't get the I don't think there's such a separation, I think, between those two tackles. Up first, you know, uh, what's his name, um, Neil and, uh, and Wanu. Even yeah. Cross. Uh, you know, yeah, Cross is good, but he needs a lot of work, too. Uh, I think there's a big separation. I would rather see the Giants go defense on the, first, uh, on the fifth and seventh, you know, like a Walker and a um, Sauce. I
1: would take that in a heartbeat, you know? I'm going to oh, make you happy. Yeah. I'm going to make you happy, okay? And this is just this, this is for fun. So I, I, I monitor some of these mock drafts. There's all kinds of them. just to, and I told this people before. It's a good way to learn the players and kind of see what's going on. The Walter Football, yep. okay? WalterFootball.com mock draft has the New York Giants getting offensive tackle from NC State Equanu because the Jets <laughs> took Walker – and Neil went to the Houston Texans, and then so I, so there's you there you go. <laughs> so a, there is a somebody's got somebody's got, got some the nice Giants' skin. But <laughs> so it,
5: that, there's always a there's always a possibility, I guess you know. And this is like the last thing you said to the last caller or after you hung up was that this is going to be fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it is going to be. fun. Be, it will be. It will be exciting, and the fact that you know uh, the only thing that's I guess it's exciting to have a five and seven, but it's not exciting to know how you got there.
5: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We went through uh, a lot of us, all of us, you included, went through some hard times dealing with it. So, yeah. but yeah. like I said, my my player is Danny Dimes. He doesn't need any uh, pushing. He, he's got to prove himself, and I think that's all that matters, and I think he will because he's that type of player. Well, and he's got to stay
3: healthy, Ron, and appreciate the phone call. I, I think that, to me, is the first factor that you got to start off with. He's got to be available and on the field, regardless yeah. of how good you feel about him, okay? That's the name of the game when it comes to the NFL. Let's head back to the phone lines. Jeff is in Maine, joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Jeff?
6: Oh, Hey, guys. Hey. Uh, some pretty exciting times here. Uh, so I, I love the moves Joe Shane has made. I think he knocked the ball out of the park uh, during this free agency thing. Um, you know, I agree emphatically about Tyrod Taylor. He's the guy I wanted. You know, he doesn't make mistakes. He's experienced. Uh, he, uh, you know, is mobile. So I agree emphatically with every point you made about that. And I love the uh, offensive lineman he got uh, because it, so the main thing is that there were two starters, but they can run block. And that gets me to my next point. point, I think Saquon's going to have a monster year this year. And there's three reasons. He's going to have better run blocking, especially if we get a tight end who can point-of-attack run block. And I think Kafka, the new offensive coordinator, is creative at working with playmakers. Uh, Look what he did in Kansas City. And I think he'll put him out on the slot and some things. And then I think everyone knows that uh, it's your second year back from an ACL injury, where you're really 100%. And I think Saquon started showing that a little bit last year. Um, but w- if we can get a running game going, that'll help keep uh, Daniel Jones healthy. So anyway, but Well, but, that, well, but keep in God. mind.
3: I mean, the one thing you got to understand, though, is that Daniel was hurt on some running plays himself, though, Jeff. So oh, no, he heard, right. yeah, yeah, well, yeah. heard his Ooh, Yeah, correct, Jeff. No, but that's why I don't agree. I, we got two Jeffs here, so I got to yeah. specify. The caller Jeff. Okay. <laughs> I don't agree the fact that just because you have a running game, you're going to protect Daniel Jones. The only way you protect Daniel Jones is basically you tell him his decision-making. You got to think twice before you run and take on the extra hits. That's why I said when Brian Dable was hired, if he's going to utilize him the way that he utilized Josh Allen – I don't think Daniel Jones is built to absorb those type of hits. Josh Allen is cut from a very different cloth. So I really don't think Saquon and the run game having success has anything to do with protecting Daniel Jones.
6: Well, I'm sure they won't utilize him exactly the way they did Josh Allen. I, cause I think uh, uh, you know he's a smart coach. And um, the thing is, if you have a running game where you only have to drop back and pass 20 times, that, that right there will cut your chances of getting injured by 50% or whatever. And, and if you're not at the end of the game, you know, having uh, rushers rush in and, and getting you and, 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 you know, knocking you out and stuff, I mean, you know, that's the main thing. <laughs> but you're right. You, you can't – you have to slide when you're, when you're running. So he's got to get smarter about that. I'm sure he will. You
3: know. Yeah, but I mean the well, bottom line well, is gentlemen. even – yeah, you Thank got you. it. I appreciate the phone call. But, Jeff, even to the caller's point – if you're throwing the ball 20 some odd times, dropping back, okay, that's still, once again, my, my, what I'm emphasizing is that still has nothing to do with Daniel Jones in the run game. He could drop back 20 times as and a nine, passer, and, right, Brian Diebel could still ask him to run 15 times. <laughs> so, what do the two have anything to do with one another? Yeah.
1: No, I, and I, I think that every quarterback at some certain juncture of the, you know, dropping back, they're going to run. You know, and I think that Josh Allen probably does that a little bit more than a lot of the other quarterbacks because, like you said, he's cut from a different cloth. He's a big dude, and I feel like he he knows how to run. Um, I think Daniel Jones knows how to run, but I don't know if he can run like, you know, that Josh Allen does. I think, you know, you look at some of the things that Josh Allen does. I mean, he... He basically is like a, a linebacker playing, you know, quarterback running the football. It's unbelievable. Very strong upper body strength, and he can really just kind of really maneuver through the line of scrimmage and, and yeah. bust tackles. That's the biggest thing he's able to do. Those guys, those you know, those guys can't tackle him. Um, and, and Daniel Jones is a little taller and skinnier. I think,
4: uh, you know, with Josh Allen, he's tall, but he's thick. Got, you know, very, very tough to bring down. As far as Barkley... I agree.
3: Further remove from the torn ACL is encouraging. But remember, Jeff, and once again, this is not me being a Debbie Downer. This is just the reality of the situation. Saquon also has dealt with injuries outside of the knee, too, over Mm -hmm. the course of Mm -hmm. his career. It's no different than Daniel Jones. You want him to remain durable because of his track record, aside from just the knee injury that he was dealing with this year. For example, he was back from the torn ACL, but and I understand it was a freak accident, but he was still dealing with other issues. So, you know, that's still a wild card. And yeah, the running game, no matter who the running back is, you know, you want to see the Giants make strides and improvements in that department because there's no way that this offense can operate if Daniel is going to have to throw, throw, throw. See, the uniqueness about the Buffalo Bills offense is, is the Bills actually did not have a powerful running game with their conventional backs. Mm -hmm. I remember talking about this on, once again, my Syria shows all the time, that I'd like to see a little bit more balance. Josh Allen can't be the entire running offense, Mm -hmm. but he was. But Allen is built, as you were just talking about, Jeff, to absorb those hits. The Giants, they can't have Daniel beat Josh Allen. You need the running backs to take on the bulk of the runs. So that means that Saquon's got to stay healthy, and if Saquon doesn't, you obviously have to have other individuals that could step in and do that because I think if you explore the idea of exposing Daniel Jones to
4: multiple hits, I think that's going to lessen the probability of, of him course. actually staying healthy for yeah, an entire season. Yeah, you can't, exactly. Yeah. It, you know, it's like, and you always say, you know, those at-bats.
1: Well, those are at-bats you don't want. You don't Absolutely. want those at-bats. yeah. Uh, you want him to sit back and, you know, just and throw the football and complete passes and not turn it over. but And there will be some design runs in there because the offense is going to require that. But I feel like it's going to be some of the runs are going to be designed at, at opportune times and that he can execute them with the fact that knowing that, listen, you're going to execute this play as a design run, but... It's designed to get five or six yards, and once you get it for a first down, get down or get out of bounds. Okay, that's what we're not gonna we're not gonna have you trying to go for ten extra yards when you don't need to, because durability is what we need out of you, not uh, not a first down. We need you for the rest of the season. And Speaking, if you can, oh, no, if, go ahead,
4: Jeff. I'm sorry. No, I'm saying that, so. You got to learn how to, to stay healthy by getting down and knowing how to run the football, protecting yourself. That's pretty much what you're yeah. laying
6: out.
3: Before we wrap up the show on the injury topic, and this is not encouraging news, but it's related to the draft. There are reports that David Ojabo, the Michigan defensive end, he went down at pro day today mm-hmm. for the Wolverines. Right. Yeah, and I want to read a tweet from Albert Breer, who covers the NFL he says, Michigan defensive end David Ojabo went down taking a pass drop at Michigan's pro day. He caught the ball. He planted. He pushed off. He then went to the ground. So it's a non contact injury. There are obviously serious concerns when you suffer a non contact injury this way, but nothing confirmed yet. Ojabo is widely considered a first round prospect. So, you know, that's something to monitor. You never want to hear about that. Unfortunately, we've seen other players. Be put in this situation, but you know, that also changes Jeff the dynamics. If unfortunately he suffers mm-hmm. a serious right yeah, knee injury out. or leg injury, of how teams now view the pass rushing group,
4: yeah.
1: yeah and I actually saw some some teams, some mocks having the Giants picking him, yeah. At that I've seen some too, seventh pick. So, sure, um, yeah, that that stinks. That's uh, you know, one thing about those guys, uh, you know, a lot of them they have these insurance policies that they take out because of these kinds of things. So uh, to protect themselves, they're expensive, but you know, in a case like this, when something happens, because you know, that's horrible. That's horrible. I mean, you work so hard to get to that position. Um, I don't know what, if he did anything at the, at the combine or not. I can't remember. I think he did, but I, I feel like, you know, those are just unfortunate things that happen. And it's just, it's terrible news. And you hope that it's nothing serious. Uh, but boy, those, you know, dropping back, catching a ball and planting, uh, That doesn't, you know, I'm just just visualizing what that looks like, and it's not good in my mind.
3: Yeah, and we want to emphasize once again, nothing's been confirmed. I'm just reading simply the reports coming out of Michigan's Pro Day that he did go down with what appears to be a left leg injury. He was clutching his left leg, and obviously they're going to undergo further tests, and I'm sure we'll know more in the coming days. All right, that is going to wrap up Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Certainly appreciate everybody tuning in. We'll be back up and running on Monday. At noon Eastern as we continue to discuss free agency, the draft, and everything in between. A reminder that today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live, part of the Giants platforms everywhere, and Giants.com slash podcast. Jeff, always enjoy the conversation. Thanks, Lance. Yep. You got yep. it. We will pick it up next week. Have a week. wonderful
4: weekend. Absolutely.
3: You as well. For Jeff Fegels, I'm Lance Meadows. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. And we'll speak to you on Monday at noon Eastern. Have a good one.